This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hello, everybody. We are back for our midweek Bible study. We're currently studying uh, selected psalms. Uh, Not every psalm. There's 150 of them. But we're going through certain ones. And uh, today's a very interesting psalm. We're going to look at Psalm 42. And um, I've really entitled this, The Toughest Person to Lead. Um, Have you ever noticed that it's so easy to tell others what to do? I mean, you could see what they're doing wrong, offer them correction, now do this, and, you know, life's going to be good. But what about you and I? You know, I found out over time, and I've read a book on this actually, that the toughest person to lead is myself. And if you think about it, at least in my life, and I'll kind of expand it out, I I sit at the top of an organization. And so being at the top of something, you have to lead yourself correctly. Some of you sit at the top of a family. Some of you sit at the top of a business. But every one of us sits at the top of ourselves and we need to lead ourselves correctly self-leadership is important it's important to stay spiritually tuned emotionally at peace to continue that peace in Christ and physically healthy somewhat by exercise stay in decent shape but for every one of us the toughest person to lead is ourselves and yet lead ourselves we must we don't have a choice And if you think about it, um, leading ourselves correctly is vital to the health and even the life of people around us, people that we love. In Psalm 42, the writer, and we really, they, they really don't know who it is, could be David, but don't know for sure. This person has come to the point of physical, mental, uh, emotional exhaustion. They are worn out from the seemingly nonstop running from enemies. <clears throat> and see, that tells us something about life. That you and I, we can push ourselves and push ourselves to the brink of disaster, exhaustion. where We have nothing left in the tank. <clears throat> and that's a dangerous place to be. And when you get to those places... Well, you know that you have not been leading yourself correctly. So, the real question is, what do we do? What what do I do when I get to such a place when I have just led myself down roads where I'm so exhausted, so tired, I'm emotionally, I'm physically, I'm even spiritually spent? Well, Psalm 42 gives us some great life principles. I believe this is the Word of God. And so, um, and this person's writing out of their experience, which is always a good thing too. It's always good to hear someone else's story, their experience. We're going to take this thing and we're going to look at leading ourselves. And so here we go. The first thing I want to tell you about leading yourself from the Psalms is I need, you need regular refreshing. Verse one says this, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul. Pants for you, O God. 
the writer begins by saying, I need refreshing. And it's one of these, um, these verses that is kind of well known in Christian circles. Now, I remember, um, it's probably been two years ago, in one of our men's meetings when we're doing that, those uh, seminar type things week after week, small groups, and we hope to get back to that uh, eventually. Um, but Tony Evans, a pastor in Texas, he said about this verse, and I'd never heard this before, but he said um, the deers don't pant unless they're being chased by an enemy. And when they're being chased, they can lose up to 80% of the water supply in their body. And then he said this, if they're chased long enough and they don't get water, they'll die. They'll just die. So they must get water. And so the writer opens up with his whole idea that he is under attack and he is on the run, which leads me to believe it could be David. And he's writing and he's saying, I've, I've got to get refreshment. Let me tell you about just life, you and me and all of us, uh, on how busy and how it can get rushed. We are either being chased by difficulties, right? Or we're either chasing possibilities. We're either being chased by difficulties or we're being chased by possibilities. Either way, we're chasing or being chased. Either way, we're moving quickly. Either way, we can, if we're not careful in our self-leadership, lead ourselves to the point of exhaustion, where the tank is just empty. And like the deer in the story, we just need to stop. We need to stop like by those brooks of water because we need regular refreshing. We need, you know, we need the Word. We need worship. We need relaxation. We need fun. Now, I have a big question for you, because this was a big question that that was uh, something I had to face up to uh, years ago, and periodically I get myself back in this this busy mode again. You know, it's just something that I keep stumbling into, <laughs> don't want to. But here's a big question: When was the last time you and I'll I'll say and me too? When was the last time you took a weekly, one day of a week, that you just ceased from your work and you rested, had fun, relaxed. That's called a Sabbath day's rest. In the Old Testament, it was a Saturday. In the New Testament, it says, let no one be your judge according to Sabbath. In other words, you could pick whatever day you want because some of you work weekends, some of you work this. But a Sabbath day's rest is important. You got to take that one day Turn it all off. Now, somebody's going to say, oh, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need any rest. I don't get tired. I don't need to relax. Ah, oh, you're one of those. <laughs> so is I. Let me talk to one of my own <laughs> now that we're in the club because we don't need rest or relaxation. At least I used to think that way. Question. <laughs> did God rest on the seventh day after working for six days? Yep, sure did. Question. Was God tired? Nope. God didn't get tired. God, after six days, God didn't sit there and go, Whoo, I'm exhausted. I've been creating like gangbusters. My gosh, the platypus, that took a lot of thinking. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't get tired. No, but let me tell you something about that. Adam was created on what day? The sixth day. 
The seventh day was a day of rest. Oh, well, that's fascinating. You know why? That means that when Adam was created on the sixth day, somewhere in that sixth day, Adam's first full day of existence was a day of rest. Don't you like that? Don't you love that about God, that he's not this taskmaster in the sky as way some people try to make him out to be? Look, to lead ourselves correctly, just you and I need regular refreshing. We, we just need that. Now, the second thing we find the writer saying is, I need the right refreshment. Not only do I need regular refreshing, I need the right refreshing. Now, verse 2 says this of Psalm 42. My soul, which is a common theme in this, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Huh. Now, the writer, he knows the right or the best refreshment, and that is God, a relationship with God. And he calls God the living God. Now, let me, let me tell you what I'm not saying and what, I'll, what I don't think God is saying to us. Because uh, some people paint this wrong. I used to think like this, but I don't anymore. He's not saying that you have to read, on that day of rest, you have to read your Bible all day, all day, hour after. He's not saying that. He's not saying that you have to pray all day long. He's not saying that either. He's not saying that you have to sit there all day long and think of everything you need to repent of. Okay, yeah, that's it. I got to repent of that. Forgive me of that. Forgive me. That's exhausting. He's not saying that on your day of rest, you can't relax and, and watch TV. Now, don't watch something that's going to depress you. Don't watch things that are going to uh, mark your mind up incorrectly. He's not saying you can't go to Disneyland if it were open, but it's not during the pandemic. All he's saying is that you need regular, spiritual, living God refreshment and fun and relaxation. Read your Bible a little bit every day. Pray a little bit every day. But have fun. Take the day off and have fun and relax and just have a good time. See? <clears throat> <clears throat> As he talks, he tells us, or he tells you and I together, what, um, what our soul really thirsts for. He says a thirst for the living God. That's tricky. It's really tricky. You know why? Because um, a thirsty soul can lead to all kinds of um, non-thirst quenchers in life. That's why you got to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, <clears throat> there are, no offense to them whatsoever, there are, um, there are many well-meaning people that, um, that will lead us to the wrong things. And we got to be careful with that. And, and they're well-meaning. And a lot of them are on social media. I've read, I've heard people, say, even Christians say many things on social media. I'm like, what? No, no, that, that's not quite what you want. Now, <clears throat> let, me, let me expand this idea further because the third thing I want to tell you is this. And that is, I need to listen to the right others. So think of what I just said. Now let me take care. In verse 3, he says this, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? 
Now, notice how bad it's gotten for this guy, if it's David. How exhausted, how spent he is. He says, I can't sleep. He says, I can't eat. He says, it's gotten so bad, this battle he's in, this, this run, it's so intense that he's been running like a deer. He's at the point of depression. Man, you just don't want to get to the point of depression. That's a bad, bad place to be in, isn't it? And I think that's maybe where this guy's heading to. And there's a lot of depression in America. Now, <clears throat> here's the danger zone of self-leadership. Listen, please listen close. Notice they. And I touched on it just a second ago, but I'll touch on it again. They say, where is your God? Mm. When you and I are in the danger zone emotionally, spiritually, physically, we're spent running on fumes, then the enemy, they, whispers in our mind, where's your God now? Where's your God now? Man, you, like I said before, you got to be careful who you listen to. Because there are many, and they're out there, and they're well-meaning people giving bad advice and some really unbiblical advice. And it's everywhere, especially, like I said before, social media is filled with them. I think you just think about, look, I'm not trying to, if you look, I don't want you to look around your family like, who's giving me bad advice? Don't do that. But think about this. God tells Abraham, you're going to have a son. Well, it doesn't happen fast because time is always a factor in the will of God. Never forget that or you're going to get frustrated. What does Sarah, his wife, say? Well-meaning Sarah. You know, maybe God meant that the child is not going to come through me. It's going to come through one of our servants, the one right there, Hagar, the Egyptian one. Maybe that's the way. Was she well-meaning? Yeah. Was it good advice? No. <laughs> no. You, you need to listen to the right others. Now, <clears throat> listen closely. When you and I are um, running on fumes, spent physically, emotionally, spiritually, very important. Now watch this. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. I think we've covered this probably before. One of my favorite little contrasts here. But uh, in Matthew chapter 3, this is Jesus in the Jordan River being baptized. And when he gets baptized, the heavens opened up, and here is the voice of God the Father saying this in verse 17. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son. That's big. In whom I am well pleased. What a great day, huh? Can you imagine being there? Then chapter 4, Jesus now is taken into the desert for the temptation. You go from a high experience to an intense experience of battle. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. You think? So the tempter knows the desire of Jesus. He's hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
command that these stones become bread. Now think of what he just what he's doing to him. God the Father just said, "You are my son." The serpent Satan comes and says, "If you are the son." Well, there's a positive and there's a negative. There's two voices coming at Jesus. The Father, "You are my beloved son." The Satan, uh, "If you are the son." So you got to watch out what voices you listen to. There are voices in the balcony. God the Father, you're my son. And there's voices in the cellar. Ah, you know, where is your God? If you are the son, if you are, you got to be careful in life. Haven't you ever noticed yet that one wrong statement, one wrong thought from the wrong person, maybe well-intentioned, can get in your head and do a number on you? Haven't you ever woken up from a nightmare of thought because somebody made you think something about someone or this and that, and then you find out years go by and you realize that's not the way it is, or you thought, I'm going to stay unforgiving toward the person, and then you realize, what, what am I doing? Haven't you ever thought that? Haven't you ever seen that? You've got to be careful where you get your thinking from. It's very important. You've got to listen to the right others. So you need refreshing, I need refreshing. I need the right refreshing, and that is the living God. And then I've got to listen to the right others the writer says that these people are saying, where is your God? Be careful who you run with, especially when you're in one of these phases when it's like, I'm spent, I'm tired, I'm physically drained, emotionally spent, I'm spiritually not in tune right now. Be careful. Now watch what the writer says next. The next thing I want to tell you is this. He says, when I'm down, I cannot cheer myself up. When I'm down, I can't cheer myself up. Look at verse 4. He says, these things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. Talking to his soul again. For I used to go along with a, thong, with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving. A multitude keeping festival. Okay. Okay. I could be wrong. But it seems to me, from what I've observed, cheerleaders, when they cheer, they actually go, whatever school or pro team they cheer for, they actually go to the sporting event, whether it's a, a basketball gymnasium, football field, whatever, and they go with other cheerleaders and people in the crowd, and there's a lot of people there, and they cheer. I don't think they stay home by themselves, put a TV in the garage, watch the game, and then in the garage start cheering, sis boom bar, whatever it is. I don't think they do that by themselves. They go with people. They don't stay by themselves. At least that's my experience. See, cheerleader, you, me, cheerleader, you cannot cheer yourself up by being by yourself. It's impossible. It's not good for you to be alone. Cheerleaders, they go to cheer with the crowd, with the people, and that really creates an atmosphere of, of festivity. It really creates this rejoicing type atmosphere. So too in life. Now, why do you say that, Jim? Okay, not good for you to be alone. It's easy when we're spent, when we're drained. It's easy to be alone. It's easy to be a cheerleader by ourselves in the garage or just sit at home by ourselves. Notice what the writer says. This is a big move. This is a big contrast. Notice what he says. In verse 4, he said, I remember and I used to. Whoa. 
I remember and I used to. What's he talking about? Well, then he tells you what he remembers and what he used to. <laughs> he says, you know, I used to be in fellowship. Well, and then he says, well, you know, I used to lead people in fellowship. I used to be in fellowship and I lead people to fellowship. And then he says, you know, in fact, I used to lead people in the worship of God. That's what I used to do. And now, he's an I used to. There's too many Christian I used to's. I'm not saying this in some kind of superiority way, but I determined a long time ago, I will never, ever, 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 ever be an I used to. 44, almost 40 years of marriage, my wife, if she ever was to ask me, are we going to church tomorrow? That would be offensive to me. This is what we do. This is who we are. Of course I'm going to go worship God. And I'm never, ever, ever going to be, and I used to. <clears throat> There's a character in the Old Testament. His name is Caleb. He's one of the guys that spied out the land of the Twelve, and he comes back with Joshua and gives a good report. He's an interesting character. Because another place you find out when they finally get to the promised land and they fought through and they offer him a retirement little cottage on the beach. Hey, you take this area. He goes, no. You see, he's 80 years old. You know what he says? He says, no. I'm as strong now as when I left Egypt 40 years ago. And you see that hill up there? There's some giants up there. I want to go up there and I want to keep fighting. I want to kill some. So give me that hill. I don't need stinking retirement. I need to fight. I like that about that guy. You know, I like, I like when Paul in the New Testament says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the course. In other words, I did everything I'm supposed to do. And now he says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I know I'm dying now. But I've done everything that I'm supposed to be doing. I have not let up. I have not slowed down. I have not i got eternity to relax. Now the question is this. How do I know if I'm an I used to? <laughs> how do you know? Well, i got a good question off of that one. How old is your testimony? Well, you know, 37 years ago. Oh, oh, oh 37 years ago. Wow. Nothing's happened since then, has it? <laughs> no. You can always tell by the freshness of your testimony. Always. If there's no freshness in it, if it's like, well, 25 years ago, no, that means you're just an I used to. And if we're not used to, then I guarantee we're just not leading ourselves correctly. We need to get back and engage again. We need to get back doing this thing again. He says, I used to. I used to. I remember. I used to do that. And now he finds himself worn out, spent physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And he pants for the living God. I want God. Because he knows that's what he needs to get back to. Now, the fifth thing I want to say is this. Start talking to yourself correctly. Start doing that. Now watch what the writer 
says in verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Oh, He's coming back. For the help of His presence, of His presence. Okay, now, now what's going on here? <clears throat> Well, first notice, there's now a new emphasis. Before, it was always an emphasis of the soul. Now, he's longing for the spiritual life again, but he's, there's an emphasis on the soul, the soul being leading the way. But now, there's an emphasis of the spirit over the soul. Notice, I'm going to put it in Jim Delcampa terminology with verse 5. He says, basically, what's your problem, soul? Mind, will, and emotions. What's your problem? Hope in God. You know what? You know what he's telling his soul? Shut up and listen to God. That is great self-leadership. Listen, somebody. You let your old soul thinking or what somebody popped in your mind lead the way. You need to tell that to shut up. Not the person, but, you know, in your head. Shut up. It doesn't line up with this. You need to tell it, shut up and listen to God. That's great self-leadership. You know, Elijah... <clears throat> <laughs> great man of God. And he does all these great things. And then he gets goes into depression. It's great when your pastor goes into depression. <laughs> and he runs because Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. <laughs> really? And you run? You call fire down from heaven and you're running from her? Really? But he does. And he runs all the way to the south of Israel. And he goes to Beersheba. And then he walks a day's walk out in the desert, sits under a little broom tree and says, God, kill me. <laughs> How, how do you go from this to this? Self-talk. He's listening to his soul. Now, is he tired? I think so. Is he spent? I think so. If you watch his life, he has done a lot. And I think finally gets to the point where it tips. And she catches him at the right time. I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And now the great man of faith is the great man of fear. Because his emotions, he's spent. And he, and he takes off. And then his self-talk is, I'd rather die. I'd rather die. And then he says, I'm the only one, God. I'm the only one that serves you. I'm the only one left. He's going through all these wrong thinkings. His, he's, he's talking incorrectly to himself. And then God has to show up there and say, what are you, what, the, what are you doing, man? Get up. And what God does is he gets, gives him a plan of action in his life. Get back to action, get back to being around people, get back to being a prophet, get back to anointing people, get back and do that. And he does. And he engages. Because God has to stop this man from talking to himself incorrectly. Now, the writer of Psalm 42 begins to talk to himself correctly. Shut up, soul, and listen to God now. That's good advice. That's good self-leadership. Now watch what he says. I'm going to close with these verses. Now watch this. They're almost identical. Two of them are. But the one of them is a little bit different. And I'm going to show you what's going on here. Because he's now following the Spirit over his soul. And it changes him. Watch this. Back to 42 verse 5 he says, Why are you in despair? O oh, my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. Hmm. 
Well, that's interesting. Now, he says the help of his presence, his countenance, his face, God's face. Now watch verse 11. Why are you in despair on my soul? That's exactly the same. Yep, watch. And why have you become disturbed within me? Same thing again. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Oh, did you notice the shift? Okay, hold on. Let me read chapter 43, verse 5. Because Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 go together. Look at Psalm 43, verse 5. It says, Why are you in despair? O my soul. There it is again. And why are you disturbed within me? Same thing. Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. The help of my countenance and my God. If you compare those verses, you're going to find that in verse, in chapter 42, verse 5, it ends with God's countenance, God's face. As the writer shifts from his old emotional nature, being led by the soul, and telling his old nature to shut up, and being following the Spirit, you'll see in, in chapter 42 and verse 11, at the end it shifts to the help of his, of his face, his countenance. And then you go to chapter 43, verse 5, it's the same thing. It shifts to his own personal faith, his countenance. What's, what's going on? What, what does this mean? He's saying this. We look to God, to his face, to change our face. I wish I could see his face, but I can't. But it must have gone from gloom and doom to pure joy. Because once he started looking to God and God's face, God's countenance, and looking at God's way and hoped in God, and started panting and started drinking of the springs of God again, it changed his face, which means it changed his innards, because his innards flow to the outwards. It changed his face, and he had his old countenance back again. That's what you want. That's what I want all the time, the God countenance flowing out of us. As we look at his face, changes our face. Amen. We're going to stop there today, Psalm 42, and we'll pick up with a different psalm next time. So, hope you enjoyed this. Uh, you can share it with your friends, catch it on YouTube, and you can download it too. God bless you. We'll see you later. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.